Help keep Kinks and Beats daily ad-free and receive bonus content early with a contribution of 20 cents per episode. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more information. Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry, and this is episode 146, where we're discussing school days by the kinks. I'm sure some of you are looking forward to this. I get more comments on my opinion of this album, I think, than any other single um, topic that we've talked about. And we haven't really covered much of this album, but I think I've dropped enough little hints in other episodes um, that this is not my favorite kinks album. And there's some good stuff on it, but it's not my favorite. What album am I talking about? Schoolboys in Disgrace. Um, School Days, which is what we're talking about today, is the opening track on that album. It was released November 17th, 1975. And this album is the last of the band's concept album, period. And it's kind of a return to more straight-ahead rock. But not really. It gets way more credit than it deserves for being a rock album. Because um, it's all 1950s pastiche. Uh, this song included. There's a lot of stuff that it just comes off kind of cheesy. And I and part of me, you know, like I love Soap Opera, which is the album that precedes this. And it's got straight up, you know, we've talked about holiday romance. And, you know, it's got straight up like Broadway musical style songs. But they are what they are. And I and for some reason this album just kind of grates on my nerves. I think some of the songs are too long, uh, and and the fifties pastiche just wears thin. And I know it was fashionable at the time, but still, this song was recorded in September eleventh, nineteen seventy five, which is just about two months before the album's release. So they're getting down to the wire when they record this one, and it, to be the album opener. And then the song was performed live for the first of many times on November 21st, 1975, just four days after it was released. So they've got, they're in the studio. They've got a tour booked. They've got an album release that they want to get out before that tour. And so they are hustling. And then they are within two months of recording. They are performing it live, which is pretty crazy. Um, on that tour, they performed a set as the Kinks for about 45 minutes. Then they took an intermission and then returned to play Schoolboys in Disgrace as like a rock opera uh, presentation and one, one, you know, performing arts piece. So why don't I like this song? Well, Ray uses a 6-8 a drag for this tune and utilizes some of the harmony tricks that you, you hear a lot in rock or doo-wop from the 50s. And it's the same type of tricks used in musical theater shows like Grease to make the sounds, the song sound authentic to the time. All right. So we've all heard. Uh, whoops. Right, we've all heard that chord progression. That's when you want to make a song that sounds like it's from the fifties. You do a one, six, four, five chord progression, and it automatically sounds like it's from that time period. And if you throw it into a six-eight time signature, even more power to you. 
And that's kind of what he does a lot. He's using a, a little bit more sophisticated chord progression than that basic one on this particular song. But um, he still employs a few of the harmonic tricks that were, you know, were trained to, to hear as early rock sounds. So the first verse um, after the intro starts on G and then it goes to a B7 chord, which is a major three, which you don't, major threes are not part of the key. Um, and it acts as a dominant chord for the relative minor. So in the key of G, we have one sharp. In the key of E minor, we have one sharp. It's the same sharp. It's F sharp. So those are called relative minors because they have the same key signature. If you looked at a piece of music, um, you're not going to know right away necessarily if it's in G major or E minor. They have the same key signature. And the relative minor is always six up from the major. So G is your one. G, A, B, C, D, E is your six. So G and E are relative. All right, you with me? Uh, in the key of C, C is your one, C, D, E, F, G, A, A is your six. So C major, A minor, those are relative. They both have the same key signature. So what he's done here is this B7 chord is the dominant chord of the relative minor. So it is a borrowed chord, but it's not borrowed um, from some weird key that we can't track easily. This is a very simple um, thing. And, and he actually resolves to that harmonic minor afterwards. So he does the G, then the five of six, then the six. So that's, that's a, a beautiful progression. Okay. Um, then he uses a passing tone to move to the four and finishes it out with a one, four, uh, one, four, one, five, I think is what it should be. Um, so it's, but that, that first two measures. It is the, um, it's like a sea of love by Phil Phillips. Come with me, my love. Um, it's the exact same. One, two, uh, major three. So you hear that a lot. And I think that's what grates on my nerves is that is he's using every single trick that he knows to make this sound like a 50s song because he's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a nostalgic look back at your school days, right? And uh, although his school days were in the late 40s, early 50s for the most part, but still... I guess mid to late fifties too. Um, so I get that it's supposed to be nostalgic, but then stop trying to sell me that this is a rock album at the level of state of confusion or sleepwalker or any of those others that are, are about to follow it because it's just not, this is as theatrical as any of the concept albums that have preceded it. It's every bit as theatrical as soap opera. Um, it may be more theatrical than preservation one, uh, and definitely more theatrical than uh, everybody's in showbiz. This is the most rock opera album. And this song starts off the rock opera. You know exactly what you're going to get from this. You're going to get a whole bunch of songs 
that sound like they're from the 50s, but they're produced like it's 1975. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Now, this song I happen to like more than most on this album. Um, I think it's got a beautiful chorus. The da, da, uh, and some of the lyrics are good, but it's just, I just so rarely go to this track or this album. Um, so even though I do like this song, to me, it's like I'm saying, it sounds like a 70s band pretending to be a 50s band. And I think the song would have worked better somewhere else. Oops. Sorry about that. Just kicked my table. Hear me out, folks. Diehard Kinks fans who are probably frothing at the mouth to tell me what an idiot I am for not liking this. Imagine this same song. Still 6-8, still called School Days, still all of it. But recorded in the style of Muswell Hillbillies, the album. Not necessarily the song, but the album. Okay? I think with the more country flavor that Muswell Hill had, it would kind of soften some of the 50s pastiche. And I think all of a sudden this sounds like a much more authentic uh, song instead of being theatrical and intended to um, deliver a narrative. I think all of a sudden it's just, it's a, it's a pretty song, you know, and like, I don't know if it sounded more like, uh, you know, celluloid heroes. And less like uh, Summer Lovin' from Greece, I think I would like it more. Which maybe is an experiment I should do. Maybe I should record a cover of this tune um, in a style that I think would suit it better. Because under the bones of this song are a good song. And like I said, even though he's using a lot of 1950s earworms, he's using them in clever ways. He's using a lot of them. So it's not like we're just stuck in the same circular chord progression that a lot of these types of songs usually are. Like I was just playing the, the summer 11th, right? That could go on forever and ever and ever and ever. But he uses these little moments, like just this G to a B7 chord. Uh, is it just enough of a hook to give us that clue? But I think, you know, I've written chords with that or songs with that same chord progression. Right? That doesn't necessarily sound 50s. So it's not the chord progression by itself. It's not the 6-8 drag by itself. It's not the way the instrumentation is performed by itself, but all in combination, it's just, uh, it's very, um, I don't know how to even phrase it. How do you, how do you describe something that is nostalgic of its time? Like it sounds like seventies, fifties, nostalgia. Where you flash forward, look at like that thing you do. That song was written in the 90s. It's supposed to sound like it's in the 60s, but it does not sound like a 90s song trying to sound like the 60s. It sounds like a 60s song. This sounds like a 70s song trying to sound like the 50s. And I think that's where the disconnect with me, why I can't really grab onto this album um, 
because it's not a great 50s band, but it's also not a great 70s sound. So it's kind of miss just missing it on both marks. Maybe I'm crazy. Let me know if I am. Give me an email at kinksandbeats at herohabit.com or give me a call, 925-494-1739. And uh, you can now yell at me on our Facebook group, Kinks and Beats Daily group page. Um, if you go to the Hero Habit Facebook page, you'll see it there. Uh, we're going to do surveys and things like that, but you can also just discuss things and share videos and memories and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we're doing that instead of the hero habit, social networking stuff, because I took it all down. All right. Um, thanks for listening. I hope you'll swing by iTunes and give us five star rating and review and keep uh, subscribing. I will talk to you all very soon. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.